Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Well, I'm uh, delighted to be with you. I, uh, I uh, love Wellspring. My daughter uh, tells me, uh, she's been here with me uh, two times, and she, she uh, talked to me a, long, a little bit ago, and she says, Dad, I think we need to go back to Wellspring. And uh, I said, well, we're not, we're not switching churches, you know. She goes, oh, I don't want to switch church. I love our church. But we, we got to go back to Wellspring. And I said, well, why? He says, because there's cool people there. They actually talk to me. <laughs> because sometimes when I go places, she'll it'll get left alone and nobody talks to her, you know. And then if no one's going to talk to her, then she feels like, you know, hey, get out of here, you know. And so uh, anyway, so I'm uh, really excited about being here. And my, my daughter's not here, <laughs> so you don't have to talk to her. <laughs> She's in Colorado, actually, uh, with, uh, with Grandma. She's having a super... What do I call it? Sam, super spectacular summer. She's gone on all these places, and she'll never do it again. So, uh, so I don't have any more money. <laughs> but uh, so really excited about being here. Um, I have told you before, uh, if, if, uh, if I've said this before, please, uh, please just, just uh, take it in. Um, you are a great church. You are a great church. Uh, the things that you're doing, the, the places that you're going, the risks that you're taking, um, the desire in your heart, uh, it's not just Bob. Bob's not a superstar. Uh, believe me, I know. <laughs> he's, uh, he's not. He's, he's a guy that loves Jesus and he loves you. Um, but you, uh, Wellspring, are a good, good church the things that you're doing, the places uh, that you want to go, the things that you have in your heart. Um, it's really, really refreshing. And uh, I want to I say thank you. Uh, I, wanna, I want you to look around. Take a, take a peek around. Look at the demographics of this, of this church. Look at, look at the, uh, the, the, uh, the people that's next to you. Look, look, at, the, uh, look at the ugly one, too. But... Uh, but uh, there, there are some amazing, amazing things, and uh, so uh, really, really excited, uh, real excited. And when Bob told me about the uh, the theme that you guys are running right now in the scripture, ah, man, I was totally psyched up. I want you to know that right after high school and right after college, um, and then right after I got married, I actually went through the book of First Peter, and just found that it's exciting. I found that uh, right in the middle of that fork in the road where you're not sure what to do, you know what I'm talking about? Nobody knows what I'm talking about, huh? There's this, I don't know what to do in this world that I live in. Uh, First Peter talks about traditions. It talks about the grace of God. It talks about why we do what we do. It, It talks about a living hope that's found only in Christ. It's found only in Christ. It's not found in your work. It's not found in great money. It's not found in great families. It's not found in, in, a, in a, a good building that you worship in. It's found in Jesus Christ. First Peter talks about handling persecution. What do we do when times get rough and trouble comes? It talks about the Trinity. It talks about the call of Christ in our life. It talks about how and where you're at and what God is showing you for the future. Let me just start off. Do you know that God 
has a preferred destiny for you? Doesn't that sound great? That he has a preferred destiny for you. In other words, he doesn't want you just to become another version or a better version of yourself. He's not even looking at you staying in the same place forever. Loyalty is really big to him, but, he doesn't, but it doesn't mean loyalty in, in, a, in a particular city or a particular location or a particular frame of mind. He always wants you to grow that impact that Christ has in your life to bust through that, that wall that you seem like, man, what am I going to do? How can I do this? What am I going to be able to, how, how, how can I get through this next season? God has a master plan for that. And that should smile on your life. That, 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 should, that should invigorate you so much that you want to just keep punching through whatever walls that God wants to bring before you. First Peter helped me understand holiness and what, what holiness means in terms of a government that I'm not happy with or a situation in our land that doesn't make me feel very safe and secure. First Peter helps, has helped me in various different ways. I'm really, really excited uh, that uh, I get a chance to, to, uh, to, to go before you. I want to um, pray uh, with you, but before, before I do, I think it's interesting that right now your high school students are uh, going to camp. And uh, I, think that's a, uh, I think that's a profound uh, time for them. Um, and I, if I could, I would like to ask you to put into a frame of mind you going to camp. You going to camp. But you're actually going to get a shower every night. <laughs> you going to camp with this anticipation that God is going to speak to you, that God's going to deliver some news to you, that God's going to hand to you something that is going to blow your mind. It's called the Scripture. It's called the Scripture. And when you open it, of course, if you've been around the Bible any time at all and you've heard a couple different sermons, you know that it never returns void. It never stops delivering. It never stops paying out. So as we go to camp this morning, I, wanna, I want you to do something. Maybe it m- might be a little different. Uh, and if you're able to, would you, would you stand up? Let's prepare ourselves. Let's prepare our lives for this camp, this, 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 this chapel service, if you will, okay? So let's pray together. Father, I thank you right now for what you're doing and what you want to do and what we can't see yet. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your protection, and Lord, for your grace that gets the work done. Father, I stand before you with these incredible people, and I open the word of God that you've spoken to me, that you've spoken to us, and I pray that you will deliver 
good news to us, that you will speak individually to us, that you will illuminate these words on these pages, that these words that jump out onto our hearts would make sense to us, that it would revolutionize our, our heart, it would change our minds, it would change our life so that we have not just been imparted to, but you have given us an impartation of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you, we trust you for these next few minutes. In the name of Christ, amen, amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but when I accepted Christ January 15th, 1983, there was a whole line of changes that needed to be done. (laughs) I was a horrible person. Uh, You were a horrible person before you came to Christ. I needed help with a lot of things, and I didn't know what I needed help with. My youth pastor, Johnny, uh, who uh, had led me to, to Christ at this camp that I went to, had said to me, he says, Steve, God has got a whole new path for you, a whole new life for you. That's the beautiful thing about what I want to talk to you about today, is a whole new life for you. And if you could imagine what your whole new life would be like, it would be nice for us to actually think about that. But I don't want you to think about your dreams. I want you to think about what God says about you and what God says to you about your life. Because real life change takes place. Real life change takes place when we have an encounter with God. Real life change takes place when you and I have an encounter with God. And I want to talk about an encounter like salvation, and then I also want to talk about an encounter like daily living. Now, we know that having a, a, a salvation experience where God sets you free of sin and delivers you from a life of darkness and a pathway of frustration and endless tireless moves from one thing to another, thinking we're doing the right thing. And when God sets us free of that, at a regeneration, or what I call being born again, what the Bible says, being called born again, it's an amazing, amazing opportunity. If you've never placed your life in the hands of God, today is a great day to do that. Today's a great day to do that. If you've never said, oh God, here I am. I need you. I surrender my own will. I surrender my own life to you. I need you to take over. Forgive me of my sin. Replenish me. Fill me back up with something that's real. That's what salvation is. January 15th, 1983, that's what happened to me. But ever since then, There's been a daily life change. What has it been like for you since your salvation experience? Could you you say that your life has been changing 
over time? Or are you like me? Seems like I have to learn <laughs> the hard way on things. One of the things I love about uh, Bob is that he asks good questions. If you've ever been around Bob, he asks good questions, and Zach probably gets really tired of it. <laughs> but uh, and and uh, but I, I I love his questions that he asks me. But his I think the question for us today would be, what is God? done in your life since salvation. If you look at 1 Peter 13, 1 Peter 1, chapter 13 through 25, I want to read this together. I think it uh, is going to be up on the, uh, in your Bible. I'm not sure what, uh, what, what number it is, um, what page number it is, but uh, here, here we go. This is uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. We'll read 2 through uh, 25. Okay, here we go. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Verse 15, but just as he who called you is holy, you be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in a reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from an empty way of life, handed down from you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Verse 20, he who chosen you he was chosen before the creation of the world, but what was revealed in these last times for your sake. If you like to underline verses, or if you like to highlight things or write things down, underline or highlight or write down your sake for you. It was for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22. Now that you have been purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail in the fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Those words were written for you and to me, but I felt like when I first read them, they were written for me. Have you ever seen a scripture like that and you go, holy smoke, was that just, is that in your Bible too? That's in my Bible, that's only in my Bible. And it's actually, it's amazing. But it's written for you and me. When I accepted Christ, I knew that there was going to be a whole series of changes. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. I was actually scared to death. I was actually scared to death because I thought to myself, what if I don't like what I am going to become? What if I don't want to become like 
what God wants me to become. Have you ever thought about that? In 1983, I was going to a, a larger church. We had a big youth group, about 100 or so kids. And back then, you wore suits. And people wore suits and ties. And youth group, even, they were suits. And so, you know, those were the days, you know. And I remember wearing my brown <laughs> suit. <laughs> That's the only one I had. Uh, and and uh, I came, came, to, came to church the uh, first, first Sunday after camp, and, and everyone told me I looked like I was a Christian. <laughs> and I, I said, I don't necessarily feel like one. And if you knew what I did last night, you would definitely know that I was not a Christian. <laughs> there was this change that was needing to take place. God was beginning to speak to me and raise me up. There was going to be some changes that were going to be made. And I remember my youth pastor, John, saying, Steve, there, there's going to be some really exciting things that are going to take place in your life. You're going to have a brand new life. You have a brand new outlook. Your, your, your exposure to God's precious plan for you has just incredibly blown your mind. And there's some good things that you think are going to happen, and there's some things that are going to be, that are not so comfortable. But if you hang in there, and he said something to me, he said, if you hang in there with me, I'll help you see Christ. The role of the church not to make you happy, not to sing the songs that you want to sing, have the color carpet that you want to have. The role of the church is to help you grow so that you look more like Christ. And that's the beauty of First Peter, helping us look like Christ. And he does that with four different ways, and I want to just show those four ways for you today. Hope, everybody say Hope. Oh, come on. Everybody say hope. hope. Okay, that's good. Next one is holiness. Everybody say holiness. holiness. Next one is reverence. Everybody say reverence. reverence. And then the next one is love and service. Love and hope, holiness, reverence, love and service. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Verse 13, it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. I love the word hope. Because it's future of what my faith is. When you think about your faith, and doesn't faith and hope also kind of come together? Don't they blend together a lot? When you say faith, you also tend to say hope. When you say hope, you're hoping for things. It's not like, boy, I hope my steak comes out medium. It's not like that. It's not, I hope this service is not too long. It's not, I, I, I hope there's enough meatloaf left over when I get in line at the dinner downstairs. I hope there will be meatloaf. <laughs> but there's something about Hope that changes everything because it begins to infect you. It begins to instill in you something that you can't do. Hope is wonderful because, well, honestly, 
Hope is what I want. Hope is what I long for. And if I'm trusting in Christ, I am making a choice to trust God in all circumstances. That's what the word hope means to me. When you look at the word hope, what do you say? But I believe that God speaks to us and says, I want to help you trust me. I want to help you trust me. You know why we need hope? Because we're anxious people. We're anxious. I live in a world <laughs> that tends to either be expressionally, emotionally anxious about everything, or I'm incredibly greedy and <coughs> all-knowing, and I have a hard time living in that balance. I think we need hope because we tend to be selfish. I tend to be selfish. It's about my plans, about my, my provision. It's about my opportunities. It's about my journey. And when I get around people, I tend to want to talk about myself. Would you help me get better in my things? Bob, what questions do I need to think about for my journey, for my walk with God, for my this and for my that, for my business? We need hope. Because I struggle and you struggle with trusting God. We like to give him all the control, but we want to steer. We want to give him all the opportunities to do whatever he wants to do as long as it's okay with me. We, we like that control, don't we? We want to be able to say yes. We want to be able to say no. I need hope because I am driven to self-enhance we are driven to self-enhance. We self-medicate. We self-engage. We self-preserve. We self-protect. We self-propagate. We self-everything. You need hope in Christ. That's what preparing our minds is all about. When we hope in Christ, we are saying, God, your plans are more important than ours. When we hope in Christ, we say, my choice, Lord, is to trust you even when I don't know what's going to happen, even when the lights turn out, even when the road doesn't look so sure. Psalm 31, verse 24 says, I will trust in you, O Lord. You are my refuge. I take heart and I be strong. Hope makes me Live for Christ. What is your hope in? Is your hope in something that's going to fall? I hope this relationship works. I hope money comes in this month. I go on a writing trip and I leave on Friday. And I've caught myself. I hope I can write well. And I met with someone and I began telling her a little bit about what I was doing and she's kind of becoming a writer, writing coach for me. And uh, she says, what would you like to do, Steve? And I said, I, I want my next book, I want this book to be a pleasing blessing. I want this book to be a, a, a benefit to others. I, I want it to be pleasing to God. And, and uh, her words were, then let's trust God for that. 
let's not hope that you have all the time and all the opportunities and all the excitement and you have all the ideas in your mind. They flow out just, you know. Let's just trust God in this. And it just, ah, it felt great. <laughs> Sometimes you need someone else to tell you what to do. Except for your wife. You don't need your wife always to tell you what you do. <laughs> it's good sometimes. <laughs> but there's something about the hope in Christ that we can say, Lord, I trust you with this. Even if I don't really know all the details yet, what do you hope for? What do you hope in? Holiness is our next uh, word that I'd like for you to, to, to check out. And verses 14 through 16 talk a lot about hope. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I was a camp speaker Camp Cedarcrest in uh, California. It was probably one of my very first <coughs> speaking opportunities I've ever had, and I was speaking to a bunch of uh, middle school students. And uh, we were um, we were talking about life change, and I'm there on Sunday night. We're gearing up for our first night, and a couple of counselors come up to me, and they start telling me about the, some of the campers that were there. Pretty hard kids, pretty hard places they've, they've been. And uh, my response to them was, well, that sounds like the rest of our lives. Let's trust God and let's hope that he will touch their lives. And so we go through the week, other counselors come to me and they tell me things and other kids are coming to Christ and all these wonderful things are taking place. And we have a campfire and uh, it was, I think it was Thursday night, and uh, one, of the, one of the camp counselors, one of the group leaders said, I think God wants us to be a changed person. I think most of our lives we want, and he went on to say that we just want to do our own thing, but I think God really wants us to be changed. He wants us to have a new conduct a new code to live by. That word code of conduct resonated throughout the rest of the week. We left on Saturday. Friday night, we had another campfire, and it was supposed to be the end of the week. Everybody shares their things, you know. Uh, back then, it was, you know, friends are friends forever. The Lord's the Lord of them, and all this other stuff, and and so, you know, there's this whole idea of, of coming back together. Everyone's going to be crying, and all these girls are going to be dramatic, and all these guys are like, so what's all the girls crying for, man? And all this other stuff. But we had a campfire, and this code of conduct, I want you to think about that code of conduct, this holiness movement took over that camp, that that, that two nights. And there were courageous 
events that were taking place. Friday night, we come and we're singing and we're getting ready to hear testimonies. And the word code of conduct came to our um, camp director. And so she, she, uh, she kind of led a small little devotional about that. And all of a sudden, you saw a couple kids and their counselors go back to their rooms. A few more. A few more. And then a kid raised his hand and said, I, I need to live for Jesus. And everyone claps and it's all good, okay, you know. Another kid stands up and says, I've had in my pocket money that I have taken from my campers, from the people in my group, and I've got to give it back because I can't live like, I can't, I can't live under this anymore. I've I got, I got, got to get rid of it. And he just started passing out money. There you go. It literally shook the campers. Another camper uh, stood up, this girl. She says, I, I have been wearing clothes that I know my mom and my dad have not wanted me. I brought them. And her counselor, she was kind of shamed because she had kind of hidden it. And she had allowed these clothes to be worn inside her in, inside the cabin, and they were modeling and doing all this other stuff. I've, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. I live under a new rule. And so she brought these clothes. I wish I, I could say they were just T-shirts and they were just shorts, but these were inappropriate. And she places them in the fire. She just throws them in the fire. And I'm standing back. There's a guitar playing, you know. He's playing very softly and quietly and, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm sitting back and I'm going, Lord, you're, you're changing lives right now. These, these people are being taught holiness. It, it says here, it says, just as you who have called you is holy, you be holy. And these kids are, these kids are becoming holy. What's happening here? Another kid came up and, and he uh, threw down his, uh, he had a chain, a, a wallet and a chain and a belt. The, the belt buckle was a uh, Jack Daniels belt buckle, very similar to the one that I had in high school, but I don't want to talk about that. But, <laughs> He had a, a belt buckle that said Jack Daniels, a belt, and this chain. And to him, it resembled rebellious. And he said, I can't wear this anymore. I'm not, I'm not the same guy that I was. Hey, everybody, I'm not the same person I, did, I was when I came on Sunday night. And he started, like, preaching. And he, he, he kind of got up on the, on the, on the front log and he said, hey, I'm different, and you got to be different too. Stop your messing around. If you call yourself a Christian, then really stand up and you'll do it. How about you? Are you willing to stand up? And, you, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, my work's done here. Yeah, it's been a great camp. <laughs> Folks, lives are being changed. People were throwing things in the fire. 
people were giving out, giving away their, their, their money that they had taken from other people. A counselor. Rob came forward and he had uh, like a, a Walmart sack, three magazines, threw them in the fire. See, God touches people at all places. You want to know what holiness is? Holiness is courageous acts of daily obedience. Courageous acts of daily obedience. That's what it means to be holy. And that's exactly what the scripture is saying here. That's exactly what Peter is wanting us to catch here. Be holy because I am holy. Step into a new life. Step into being obedient. Start today. Don't start tomorrow. Start now. Start, Start this instant. Pray right now. God, reveal to me what needs to be removed. That's what it means to be holy. Holiness is not a holier-than-thou attitude. Holiness is not a superman Christian. Holiness is daily living out a life that pleases God. How about you? How about me? You know, I told you that when I first read 1 Peter, it was at some pretty high roads in my life where I could take a turn right or left and go fast, go slow, turn back around. There's been plenty of times where the Lord has said, I want to speak to you. And I've had to make the choice to say, I am listening. I am here. That time when the Lord spoke to me and he says, turn off your radio. I want to speak to you. There's some times when I didn't do that and I missed hearing God. I believe that when God speaks, we should listen right away. Don't, don't say, hey, just a minute, Lord, I'll, I'll get you in a minute. This, this uh, Iron Maiden song is really great. <laughs> Another time was uh, I was listening to some music that was not appropriate for my new life in Christ. And he spoke to me on a Sunday morning and this old guy was preaching and, and I really didn't quite understand anything. And my buddy Mark's right here. My buddy uh, Gary's right here. And all I could see was Kristen in the front, her beautiful, long, blonde hair. I could smell her perfume. It was, it was a great day in church. And I just felt like the Lord said, I have a new way of life for you. I want you to start to pay attention. I didn't get anything else. It was that. I, that was the time that I started to take notes in church. I learned how to take notes in church because I, I knew I wanted to pay attention because God had spoken to me. Folks, when the Lord sp- speaks a, a, a direction to you, when he gives a word to you, holiness is being courageous and saying, okay, I'll do it. Being a weak, wimpy Christian, (laughs) like I was a lot of times, I said, no, I'll do it later, Lord. Right now, I want to party, yeah, I want to do all this stuff. When the Lord said, stop expecting so much from your wife, 
I knew that was of the devil. But, oh, that was a hard one for me. I had to stop expecting things. When the Lord said, start journaling, those are the ways that I became holy. I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. Hey, not one of us are. But I can tell you that I have made steps to be courageous about my obedience with the Lord. And men and women, I'd just like to encourage you, if the Lord is speaking to you about something, begin now. Begin now. What is it? There's certain kind of things that you're wearing. Is it an attitude? Is it the things that come out of your mouth? <laughs> Ever since I stopped pastoring, I, stopped, I started cussing. <laughs> You've seen the shirt that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me about that. He said, hey, what's that? I didn't ordain that. I didn't ask you to start doing that. It's almost like a, 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 a rebuke almost, but it was making me holy. I'll be honest, I'm, I slip just like you do, but I love Jesus, which kind of leads me to the, the next part and that's reverence. Because in verse 17 through 21, it talks about this incredible, genuinely worshiping the Lord. Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He has chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. You know what reverence means? It's like a holy fear. It's so much as, I don't want to let you down, Lord. I want to honor you with my life. I want to surrender in all places, in all moments of my life. I want to let you be Lord. I want to sing, I stand in awe of you, God, and I want it to be real. That's what it means to have reverence. That's what it means to genuinely worship. And it's worshiping an audience of one, not a group of people. Because that's really easy for me. It's real easy for me to get, in group, to get a group of people and want them to think highly of me. Want them to think that I'm a good guy. I worshiped my dad because I wanted to hear him say, you're a good son, Steve. And he never said it. He never said, you're a good son. I wanted those words to come out. He said I was a good boy. He said that was a nice job he did there. I wanted to hear him say, you're a good son, Steve. And he never said it. 
You know why I don't think he said it? Because those words are reserved for my heavenly father. And he calls me beloved. He calls me a good son. He says, Steve, love you. Love what you do. I love the way you're thinking now. I love the way that you stopped expecting things from your wife. I love the fact that when I, when I told you to throw away some of that music, you did it. You were courageous. Way to go, Stephen. He gave me this big high five. That's the kind of life that I live with my Jesus. It sounds, some, some of you might think, well, that's just a little bit odd. <laughs> well, I'm just a little bit odd. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you and I live under the reverency of God, we start to please God and we start forgetting about everybody else that we're trying to please. My life must be complete in him or I'm just a waste of time. Your worship playing, your skill that you're good at, the talents that you have, your jobs. You're not just there to make money. You're there to honor the Lord. You who have children, God bless you. You have an incredible opportunity to honor the Lord with your children. You who are considering ministry and considering what it's like to, could I be a, a, a pastor? Could I be a chaplain? Could I be a, 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 a young life leader? Could I be a, 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 a anything? You have an incredible opportunity to honor the Lord. That's what it means to be in reverence. This principle of reverence deals with a deep honor. Do you honor the Lord or you just give him a little bit and then you go on your own way? I can tell when I stopped honoring the Lord when I'm prayerless. I can tell when I stop honoring the Lord when I isolate myself from others. I can tell when I stop honoring the Lord and I let pride come into my life. When I realize that I'm so good, I'm so bad, I got it all together. Don't let pride sneak into your life. Don't let a sense of dishonor come before you and the Lord. Reverent, a holy fear. That's what it means to trust in him. My last uh, phrase is love and service. And the more I think about our own life in Christ, the more I consider the words from my friend Jim Burns, the call to Christ is the call to serve. 
my pastor Tony Britton a long time ago. He says, show me a person who has dedicated his heart to God and I'll show you a missionary. Because I think that's true. Those of us who have trusted Christ, there's a brand new life in you and you are doing things and you're going places that you never thought you could go before. Why? Because of the power of God that's in you. Because of the power of God that's in you. In verse uh, 21 through 25, it says, Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have made holy, so that you've become holy, love one another deeply, it says. Love one another deeply. I'm a better parent. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better chaplain. I'm a better speaker. I'm a better author. I'm a better uh, friend because of Christ in me. Some of you uh, know that um, I've been a hospice chaplain. In fact, uh, Bob actually... um, You'd be surprised, right? Bob's got empathy in him. Um, <laughs> Bob actually led me to, uh, to a person to connect with, uh, to actually, we worked together for uh, almost, uh, maybe almost a year uh, as a hospice chaplain. We went into some places that were pretty, pretty horrendous, pretty, pretty incredible, pretty humbling um, a lot of people think that uh, the, the most precious way, especially when you f- we find in the Bible, of uh, being loving is washing people's feet. I can't tell you that I've ever washed anybody's feet. I, 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 I don't think I have, except for my kids, and it's, it's a little different then, right? You know, you're bathing kids and stuff. I, I can't tell you that I've washed someone's feet, but I can tell you that walking into some of these places where there's no hope at all, family members are fighting, constantly conflict about who's going to get the truck, who's going to get the hutch, who's going to get mama's recipe book, all those things that don't really matter anyway. Sitting in with some of these people's lives and they have no hope and you walk into their place and there's no place to sit because there's cockroaches everywhere and there's lice and there's things that you 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 literally have to change your clothes when you when you leave and be able to introduce someone to Christ as a result of being a friend. Ricky was a high school student when I was a college student. I was a, um, I was one of the youth workers. I was an intern, actually, kind of similar to you, Zach. Uh, I was better looking than you were, uh, but uh, yeah, make sure we get that, get that straight. Ricky came to uh, youth group Wednesday night. Ricky smelled a lot like things that I knew about. 
Ricky had a stench about him, not just his smell that you could get because he smelled like weed. And I had known about that. But I could smell his life. And all the other youth workers, all the other people didn't want anything to do with Ricky. It's kind of an amazing thing. I, it it kind of shocked me, actually. I, I thought every youth worker, I thought every, every person who works with Young Life, they love kids so much that they'll do anything they possibly can to, to, to hang out with them and do it. But there was Ricky. Ricky was immature. He smelled really bad. His mom and dad probably grew a, a lot of pot in their house. They, 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 Ricky was bad in school. He went to my school. I graduated the year before, so he was, I think, a, a sophomore. He had some of the teachers that I had. Ricky was a mess. Ricky was a mess. And I was praying one night, and my youth pastor said, I think the Lord wants you to connect with Ricky. And I said, I think you've got it wrong. <laughs> I think you should. You're the, you're the guy that gets paid. I'm not getting any money here. And he says, you know exactly what Ricky's going through. And I said, yeah, I do, but I don't want anything to do with it. And I said, no. I said, no, for about a year. Ricky stepped, he kept coming. Ricky told me later that he kept coming because he was, kept waiting to become friends with me. I just kept blowing him off. Hey, what's up, man? I had to take him home once. Ugh. It was all I could do. I had to defumigate my, my car. I mean, it was just bad. It, interesting thing that the kids loved him, but the adults didn't. When I was praying, the Lord said to me, I clearly hear audible voices of the Lord. It was, might be because I smoked too much weed earlier, but it actually is because I, I, I want to listen to the Lord. And he spoke, and, and I believe he said, I want you, I commission you to befriend and to come alongside Ricky. I wish I could show you a picture of Ricky now. Ricky's a pastor of a church in, in uh, California. It's amazing. It's not because I did anything, except for I was just courageous, and I loved him. He, he says that I loved him into heaven. I was disobedient to love him. Men and women, when you place your hope in Christ, when you set a brand new conduct a code of conduct for your life. When you begin to see that God is to be revered and to be set high and that your admission, your, your job is to reach toward him. And when you and I love, that's when everything changes. So I ask you the question, the same question I had for me when I first started out, what in the world is my life going to look like after salvation? What is your life 
looking like? Do you have your hope in Christ? Do you follow the same code of conduct that you've been following for a while, just cleaned up a little bit? Or is God allowing, as Bob was saying earlier, to bring to you, if you are obedient, you're willing to go through the process of being refined? Do you place holy fear, is there holy fear in your life so that you could be a pleasing offering to the Lord? And do you love others? It's good questions for us. Good questions for you. But they're not just questions for you to consider later on. It's a question for you right now. What will you do this instant? I'm going to invite Bob to come, but I would invite you to stand, would you? I'd like to lead you in a... In a uh, in a, um, a prayer, a prayer that would uh, well, it, it, it's I, I'm, I, I've been praying for several weeks now that you would become more like Christ. So I want to pray that you will become more like Christ now. And I want to ask you to do something that's kind of in my, uh, it's in my faith tradition. I'm going to stand up here because I want you to see what I'm doing. Not because I want you to see, but I want you to, I, I want to lead you into something that maybe you don't know about. I lift my hands sometimes in worship because I want God to raise my standards. I lift my hands sometimes because I want God to, I want to, I want to make it easier to, 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 for him to reach down and, and get me and take my life and let it be really. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you're willing, to, to say, God, I, I want to be used today. And, and just posture your hands like this. Open, open your hands, open your heart. It's a form of surrender, the Lord says. In the Old Testament, it says, lift up your hands, all you people. Lift up your eyes, lift up your heads. Uh, so it would be a, a form of surrender, a form of, of uh, symbolism that says, God, here I am. So, Lord, here I am. I want to be different, God. I want to be changed. I want your life to matter to me more than anything else. Oh, God, I, I need you to be number one. I'm going to sit in the back seat, Lord, because I want you to drive. Father, I pray that you will hear these and see these people, this congregation, Wellspring, whom you are well and pleased with. Father, I pray that as we collectively raise up our hands, that you will show us things in our life that we need to do different, be different, so that our code of conduct is made up of you, not made up of what we think or what other people think. Jesus, we trust you with our lives, and I call to you to be the kind of God that has all of my life and has all of these people's lives. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.